Chapter 3 of Guy Fawkes, or A Complete History of the Gunpowder Treason, A.D. 1605. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Guy Fawkes, or A Complete History of the Gunpowder Treason, A.D. 1605, by Thomas Ladbury. Chapter 3. Proceedings of the Conspirators to the Latter End of October 1605 enough has been detailed in the first chapter to show that it was the aim of the romanist throughout the reign of elizabeth to overturn the church and to assassinate the queen on james accession the same measures were resorted to by the papal party while the plots for the destruction of protestantism were as frequent as ever in tracing the origin of the powder plot it is necessary to look back to the close of the reign of elizabeth in december sixteen o one garnet catesby and tresham sent thomas winter into spain with a view to obtaining assistance from the spanish monarch against england it was always found in the projected invasions of england that one of the chief difficulties was the transportation of horses to obviate this difficulty therefore the roman catholics of england or winter in their name engaged to provide fifteen hundred or two thousand horses for the use of the spanish troops on their landing on our shores at this time one of the english jesuits was resident in madrid and by this man winter was introduced to one of the secretaries of state by whom he was assured that the king was anxious to undertake any enterprise against england the king of spain further promised the sum of one hundred thousand crowns to be devoted to this special service and that he would effect a landing on the shores of england during the next spring winter returned home at the end of the year and communicated his intelligence to garnet catesby and tresham the death of the queen took place soon after when christopher wright was sent over into spain by garnet for the purpose of conveying intelligence of the queen's death and also for the furtherance of the negotiation which had already been entered into during the previous year fox also arrived in spain soon after wright he had been sent from brussels by sir william stanley and hugh owen two englishmen who had been concerned in most of the treasons against elizabeth some of the jesuits were concerned in all the treasons to which i have already alluded and the gunpowder treason was managed by the same party the actors being either jesuits or the disciples of jesuits jesuits were their directors their confessors and their governors i never yet knew a treason without a romish priest said sir edward cock at the trial of the conspirators and on garnet's trial he declares since the jesuits set foot in this land there never passed four years without a most pestilent and pernicious treason tending to the subversion of the whole state shortly before the death of elizabeth and while the negotiations just mentioned were going forward in spain the pope clement the eighth addressed to the english romanists the bulls to which i have already referred in a former chapter by which they were instructed to oppose any one who should claim the crown after elizabeth's death unless he would promise not merely to tolerate the roman catholic faith but to promote it by all means in his power these bulls were to be executed quando conque contingerit miserum ilium fame ex hoc vita etc whenever it should happen that the miserable woman should depart this life on james accession therefore many of the romanists were tampered with by the jesuits and persuaded not to render obedience to his majesty as being a heretic they were told by the jesuits that they ought even to submit to death rather than obey a heretic king james was however quietly seated on the throne notwithstanding the secret practices of the jesuits backed as they were by the king of spain and the pope as it was dangerous to keep the two bulls in his possession garnet committed them to the flames after james accession now it is altogether manifest that the treason originated in these bulls of pope clement the eighth for the conspirators argued when the lawfulness of the undertaking was discussed that if it was lawful to prevent james from possessing the throne 
it was equally so to remove him though he had taken possession i see not how this argument can be overturned by the romanists or how they can clear the rulers of their church of that day of the guilt of that dark transaction the circumstances of the country therefore at the time of james accession were very peculiar the pope had issued his bulls to prevent any but a papist from succeeding queen elizabeth the king of spain had promised assistance to the english romanist and garnet with some other jesuits and catesby and his companions were resolved to execute the design of his holiness it was under such circumstances that the plot was contrived the king of spain however refused to contribute money or to send troops when he heard of james accession with whom he wished to enter into a peace and to whom he sent commissioners for that purpose the disappointment of their hopes in obtaining assistance from spain led the conspirators catesby and his brethren to devise some other means by which their object might be obtained frequent meetings took place and various plans were considered and then relinquished at length it was determined to undermine the parliament house and destroy the king by means of gunpowder it appears that thomas winter had some misgivings lest the church of rome should suffer in the estimation of the public if the plot should be defeated catesby replied that the nature of the disease required a very sharp remedy winter's scruples were removed and he entered into the project with all his energies still winter started difficulties which catesby was most expert at removing he objected the difficulty of procuring a place from which they might commence their labours for the mine but catesby encouraged them by proposing to make the attempt and that if it failed they might desist from anything of the kind afterwards it seems that catesby conceived the plan during the spring a d sixteen o three thomas winter states that he was requested to meet him in town where after receiving a second letter he found him with john wright at this meeting they conversed on the necessity incumbent on them of doing something for the cause of their religion and country for these men forsooth professed to be patriots winter expressed his readiness to hazard his life in the cause and catesby made known his project thomas winter then went to the continent to meet fox to whom he was to make known the fact that a plot was in agitation they met and returned to england the following spring when they were joined by catesby percy and wright at one of these meetings percy came into the room and said shall we always gentlemen talk and never do anything catesby took percy aside for a few minutes percy proposed to kill the king but catesby said no tom thou shalt not adventure thy life to so small a purpose at this time the plan was partially concocted by catesby but was revealed only to winter catesby and winter agreed that an oath of secrecy should be administered before the plot was fully disclosed to their companions who though they were all anxious to enter upon any project however desperate were not yet acquainted with the plan which had been devised by catesby though winter and fox had met on the continent and had travelled together to england yet it does not appear that the latter was made at that time acquainted with the treason he came to england with winter with a view to the contrivance of a plot but with the particular scheme projected by catesby he was not acquainted until after his return to the continent he was a reckless character and ready to join in any desperate enterprise fox in his own confession declares that the matter was at first broken to him in a general way by winter the parties were now five in number namely catesby fox percy thomas winter and john wright according to agreement they all met together in a room near st clement's church in the strand here they administered an oath of secrecy to each other on a primer when the oath had been taken they all went into the next room and which was the jesuit gerard from whom after they all heard mass they received the sacrament gerard was probably acquainted with all the particulars of the plot 
he was aware of the designs and intentions of the conspirators for he waited in the room for the express purpose of uniting them together into a common bond for treasonable purposes as soon as these ceremonies had been passed through catesby and winter unfolded to the rest the plan which had been devised and observed that the oath had been taken in order that the plot might be concealed fox and the rest fully approved of all that had been done entering into the plot with the utmost alacrity in the spring of sixteen o four therefore the plot was concocted the oath was couched in the following terms you shall swear by the blessed trinity and by the sacrament you now propose to receive never to disclose directly nor indirectly by word or circumstance the matter that shall be proposed to you to keep secret nor desist from the execution thereof until the rest shall give you leave the next point was to secure a house near the house of lords in which the mind might be convinced fortune in this respect appeared to favour them for during winter's absence on the continent catesby had heard that a particular house adjoining the house of lords might probably be secured inquiries were made on the subject when it was discovered to be in the occupation of a person named ferris who rented it of one of the officers of the house of lords by whom some of the rooms were occasionally used for parliamentary business percy was dispatched by catesby on the business and after some difficulty he succeeded in becoming tenant to winyard the officer as ferris had previously been fox assumed the character of percy's servant the keys of the house being committed to his keeping the name under which he now went was johnson they also hired another house in lambeth for the purpose of stowing away the gunpowder and the wood previous to its being deposited in the mine the house was one in which catesby often lodged their object in depositing their materials on that side of the river was to avoid detection for they were fearful lest by constantly entering the house in westminster the suspicion of some of the inhabitants might be awakened it was at this period that keys was admitted into the secret and to him was committed the charge of the house in lambeth during these proceedings the parliament was adjourned to the ensuing february an event which afforded abundance of time for their project and therefore they agreed to quit london for a season intending to return sufficiently early for the completion of the work before the opening of the session the conspirators departed in different directions in order to avoid suspicion it was about a month before the commencement of michaelmas term that the parties quitted london about the beginning of the term fox and winter met catesby they all agreed that it was time to commence their operations when the parties arrived in london they were rather staggered by the discovery that the scottish lords were appointed to assemble in percy's house to discuss the question of the union of the two kingdoms in consequence of this occupancy they were not able to begin the mine until the eleventh of december sixteen o four late at night they entered upon the work of darkness the powder had already been procured from flanders and deposited in the house at lambeth not only did they provide themselves with the necessary tools for excavation but they took in with them a stock of provisions consisting of biscuits and baked meats so that they might not be under the necessity of sending out the adjoining shops for provisions and thereby excite suspicion now it must be remembered that these conspirators were quite unaccustomed to laborious employments yet their mistaken zeal in the cause of popery which they seem to have regarded as the truth induced them to apply themselves to the task with unceasing energy they continued at their labor from the eleventh of december until christmas eve without any intermission nor did they appear in the streets until that day at this time they had conducted the mine under an entry close to the wall of the parliament house under propping the earth as they proceeded with wood fox as being the least known of the party acted as sentinel to give the alarm in the event of danger in his own confession 
Fox acknowledges, I stood as sentinel, to decry any man that came near, whereof I gave them warning, and so they ceased until I gave notice again to proceed. The object in placing Fox as sentinel was this, namely, that they might cease from their labor as any one approached, lest the noise should be heard and a discovery ensue. Winter, whose confession was very full and minute, informs us that, during the progress of the work, they held many conversations relative to the steps to be taken after the execution of the deed. They hoped that the king and the assembled lords would fall a sacrifice in the explosion. But then there were the Prince of Wales and the Duke of York, and how were they to be dispatched? It was supposed that the prince might attend the king and share in the same fate, and Percy, who all along had evinced great boldness, undertook to secure the duke. Percy held an office near the court, and was acquainted with several of those who were employed in the royal household. He, therefore, undertook to enter the chamber, after the blow was struck, and, having placed others at the doors, to secure the young prince. It was also determined that the king's daughter Elizabeth, who subsequently became queen of Bohemia, and from whom the house of Hanover is descended, she being the mother of Princess Sophia, and grandmother of George I, should be secured by some of their party in the country. The princess was at this time with Lord Harrington in the county of Warwick, not very distant from Catesby's house. It was arranged, therefore, that the Roman Catholics of that neighborhood should assemble, under the pretense of a hunting match upon Dunsmore Heath, and that the princess should be seized during the confusion that would be subsequent on the discovery of the plot. Money and horses were also necessary, and the conspirators at this stage of their proceedings did not neglect to make provision respecting both. These and other subjects were discussed in the intervals of relaxation from their laborious employment in the mine. Another very important topic was also introduced during these secret conversations. It related to the lords whom they should endeavor to save from the general destruction. It was determined that they should prevent as many of the Roman Catholic lords as possible from attending the house on that occasion but that the rest must necessarily perish with the great body of the peers. It was also debated whether they should reveal the project to any foreign princes. A difficulty here stared them in the face, namely, that they could not enjoin secrecy by a solemn oath, as they had done among themselves, nor were they certain that the continental princes would approve of their design. They had little hope from Spain, because the king was too slow in his preparations, and was ready to enter into negotiations with James, France was too near, and could not safely be trusted. Such were the views of France and Spain. These discussions took place while they were engaged in the mine. At this period, Parliament was again adjourned until the 5th of October, on which account the conspirators ceased from their operations, intending to commence their labor sufficiently early to enable them to bring the matter to a completion, previous to the period fixed for the opening of the session. Early in the ensuing spring, they removed the powder which had been stowed in the house at Lambeth into Percy's residence. Their labors were now resumed with redoubled energy. The foundation wall of the House of Lords was nine feet thick, so that their progress was necessarily very slow. They were obliged to chisel out the stones and the mortar. The wall being exceedingly hard, they advanced only about a foot in a week. These labors were continued during a fortnight, when they deemed it necessary to admit some others into their secret to share with them in their toils. It was at this period that Christopher Wright and Robert Winter were admitted into their party. The same process was adopted in the omission of these men as had been resorted to in the first instance. They were sworn to secrecy, and the oath was confirmed by receiving the sacrament. With this accession to their strength, they continued in the mine until Easter, at which time they had advanced about halfway through the stone wall. While occupied in their work, they were one day suddenly alarmed by a noise which seemed to proceed from no distant spot. 
the conspirators had provided themselves with weapons intending if they were discovered to sell their lives as dearly as possible these weapons were now grasped by the whole party and fox was sent out in order to discover the cause of the noise he soon returned to his companions whose fears were banished by his report fox discovered that the sound proceeded from a cellar which had been used for coals and which was under the house of lords the coals were now selling off the person who had rented the cellar being about to quit and the noise which had alarmed them was occasioned by the falling down and the removal of these coals this cellar was most convenient for their purpose for it was exactly under the throne the grand object therefore was now to secure it fox soon ascertained that it was to be let percy immediately hired it pretending that he wished to use it as a coal cellar for his adjoining house thus far they appeared to prosper in their dark enterprise the mine was now relinquished and it was resolved to deposit the powder in the cellar their labors were discontinued and all their energies were exerted in making arrangements to secure the success of their design footnote in piercing through the wall nine foot thick says fuller they erroneously conceived that they thereby hewed forth their own way to heaven but they digged more with their silver in an hour than with their iron in many days namely when discovering a cellar hard by they hired the same and the pioneers saved much of their pains by the advantage thereof book x page thirty five they were led to believe from this circumstance that god was evidently favorable to their design End footnote hitherto catesby had himself borne the expenses of the treasonable undertaking but his resources were insufficient for the charge of maintaining the party for the rent of several houses and for the purchase of the materials with which the scheme was to be carried into effect it was deemed necessary therefore that some moneyed person or persons should be made acquainted with the design in order that pecuniary aid might be procured and catesby proposed that he and percy and another of the conspirators should be permitted to disclose their secret to such persons as they and their discretion might deem desirable the proposition was agreed to by the whole party who now amounted to seven in number this plan was adopted because the parties thought that several of the wealthy romanists would be willing to contribute pecuniary aid though they might be unwilling to disclose their names to the whole number of the conspirators having made this arrangement fox was employed in depositing a large quantity of powder and wood in the cellar which had recently been taken the house was cleared of all those things which might have awakened suspicion while everything was placed in the cellar a place which no one visited they began now to contemplate making another trial of their friends on the continent catesby proposed that fox should go over assigning two reasons for his absence first that he might not be seen in england for a time and secondly that he might acquaint sir william stanley and mr owen with their proceedings it was however determined that the same oath of secrecy should be administered to these two gentlemen fox quitted england about easter stanley was absent from brussels to which place fox had repaired but he made the matter known to owen who cordially entered into the project in the month of august fox again returned to england about the same time catesby and percy met in the city of bath for the purpose of calling in others to render pecuniary assistance agreeably to their previous determination it was at this stage of the plot that sir everard digby and francis tresham were made acquainted with the design neither of these gentlemen scrupled to enter into the plot it was a most extraordinary thing that gentlemen otherwise of strict integrity should have been so influenced by their religious views as to concur in such a design without hesitation which seems to have been the case sir everard digby engaged to furnish fifteen hundred pounds and mr tresham two thousand pounds towards the accomplishment of the object 
Percy also promised to obtain as large a sum as possible from the rents of the Earl of Northumberland. Rookwood and Grant were made acquainted with the plot about the same time, so that the number of the conspirators was now completed. These gentlemen, however, never entered the mine. They were merely privy to the treason, and promoted it by rendering pecuniary assistance. When these matters were arranged between Catesby, Percy, and Tresham, Fox and Thomas Winter procured some fresh powder and placed it in the cellar, as they intended it should stand for the explosion. All things being thus arranged by the conspirators, the Parliament was again prorogued until the 5th of November, an event which dispersed the party for a time. This third prorogation alarmed the conspirators who imagined that their plot was discovered. To ascertain whether their suspicions were well founded, they mingled with the crowd on the day of the prorogation, in order that they might watch the proceedings of the commissioners. They were satisfied that their suspicions were groundless, so that they went into the country in high spirits. About ten days previous to the 5th of November, Catesby and Fox returned to the neighborhood of London. Several of the traders met together at Whitewebs on Enfield Chase. At this time, they were informed that the Prince of Wales would not be present at the opening of Parliament, whereupon they determined on seizing him after the explosion. The Duke of York, afterwards Charles I, was so safely guarded that they entertained but slight hopes of getting him into their power. Down to the end of October, therefore, all things seemed to favor the designs of the conspirators, while the intended victims were unconscious of the danger to which they were exposed. Still, the watchful eye of divine providence was fixed upon the king and the peers, and the schemes of the traitors, secretly as they were carried on, were revealed by one of those remarkable events which no human understanding can fathom. The remark of Fuller on the frequent prorogation of Parliament deserves attention. As if divine providence had given warning to these traitors, by the slow proceedings and off the journey of the Parliament, meantime seriously to consider what they went about, and seasonably to desist for so damnable a design, as suspicious at last it would be ruined, which so long had been retarded. But no, taking off their wheels will stay those chariots from drowning, which God hath decreed shall be swallowed by the Red Sea. I have now brought the narrative down to the latter end of October 1605. The conspirators were in and near London. Fox alone, as the individual who was to fire the train, taking his post in the cellar or the adjoining house as Catesby's servant. The parties were very cautious in all their proceedings, so that they met together secretly whenever a meeting was necessary. As the powder and wood were deposited in the cellar, and nothing remained to be done in London, the conspirators hovered near, leaving Fox to manage the firing of the train. They were full of sanguine expectations respecting the event, and busied themselves at this period, in forming plans for securing the young princess, and for carrying their ulterior designs into execution. Their attempt was, however, frustrated by an overruling providence. End of chapter 3